Hello, my name is Jan Welch, and welcome to episode 18 of the Then and Now Blading podcast featuring Connor O'Brien. Connor is a legendary skater for Manhattan Beach, California. He was known back in the day to have amazing style mixed with technical tricks and an enormous amount of hammers, with some of his sections having pretty much enders for every clip in this section. Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you again. It's been a really long time. I hope everything's been well with you. Yep. And I want to say, if you do like this video, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel if you haven't ready, and hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads. And I have links to my social media and Connor's in the description below, as well as a Patreon link if you want to help out this channel. So Connor, I want to get into your history of skating. First of all, how old were you when you started skating? And what got you into skating to begin with? It's a good question. And you know, what's funny is I was just watching a video of Chris Edwards and Tom Fry. And I think I started skating when I was like seven, maybe eight. Um, and I remember going down to the Manhattan Beach uh, Pier and they would have like every year, you know, uh, since I was like seven, maybe all the way till when I was like 11 or something, uh, they would set up these, this huge 12 foot half pipe and then like a a street course and I remember going for the first time they were passing out team paradise magazines and I saw Tom Fry and Arlo you know doing the half pipe and I was like I have never seen this before and I want to do this um Tom Fry was like probably my first favorite skater um and I remember going to roller skates of America which was in Hermosa Beach and buying a set of Bauer hockey skates because like aggressive skates didn't really exist then. And I remember I wanted to add grind plates. So they, they had to like shave my frame down. They're like, okay, once you do this, you can't go back. And I'm like, all right, just do it. Cause I'm, I'm going to learn how to do this, you know? And I had metal grind plates, shave the frames down and you know, the rest is history. That's really cool. My first skates that I bought my, oh, my parents bought me were the Bauer hockey skates. Yeah. I had yeah. some like Zetra blades I got from my neighbor, but Bauer hockey skates were my first. Mainly use them for stair riding. I think oh, yeah, my first sure. aggressive setup would have been like a lightning, lightning terrace. That was my like next that. skate, which is a lightning. They were like black and brown or something. So what year was this that you started about? 1995, maybe? So no, right. no, no, that can't be right. 1990, 1993, I think. Okay. So yeah. you've been around since pretty much the early days of skating just as a little dude. Just as a little guy. You know? Yeah, a little guy. Yeah. How long did it take you to actually start doing grinds and meeting some friends to skate with? Like, what was your, did you have a little crew back then? Um, yes, I had a little crew. We didn't do like tricks per se, but we do like, you know, stair riding, you know. Um, I, th I think this is even before I started riding anti-rocker. So I, it was totally flat. Um, and I, you know, I would just like start out grinding like curbs and stuff. We would just kind of skate on the weekends and after school um and there was a uh, there was like a set of ledges um at my elementary school that we would you know you know school would break and we'd go back to our houses get our skates and then meet back at this this little area and just start grinding and we destroyed these ledges like absolutely destroyed them, like cracked and and the paint would fall off and we loved it um uh that that was kind of the start of it um eventually I think I started getting like really serious about, about skating when I would, um, 
especially like during during like raining days, rainy days, we'd go to this place in Costa Mesa called RSA, right? So when it, when it rained, all the skaters from California would go to this place. And it was, it basically was a, a mini ramp with a spine and then a nine foot half pipe that was connected to it. And that's where I met a majority of the people that I started skating with, specifically like Ian and Colin McLeod. That was probably at the end of middle school for me. So probably like eighth grade. I remember at that park, that shop, that was a pretty cool place. I mean, that's still to this day, that is, that's like the, the state, that's like the best mini ramp I've ever skated. And I was so sad when they tore it down. Um, but yeah, like you would go there and you, you know, TJ Weber would be there. Randy Spicer would be there. Arlo, like the big, the big names. And you would just watch them just in pure amazement. Um, yeah. So you were in middle school. So that meant your parents would drive you to RSA? Oh yeah. Every weekend. And what now you live in Manhattan beach is part of Los Angeles County. Right. So you're not too far from LA. Right. Um, when did you start taking like public transit into Los Angeles or different parts of Orange County to skate with people or did you oh, get I, rides with people? We would never, I never took the bus. It was always like, um, just like, you know, friends who, who had cars who would you know go out of their way to pick me up um, or, or my parents like dropping me off at skate spots and just kind of hoping for the best that I'd make it home. Um, yeah. So, you know, RSA was like 30 minutes away from where I was living in Manhattan beach. So my parents would, you know, go and drop me off, um, on the weekends, they would drive all the way to San Clemente and drop me off at, um, Ian McLeod's house. Um, and I would spend the entire weekend just skating. <laughs> so you have a long relationship with Ian McLeod. I know he was one of the people you had in the one video. Oh yeah. Profile. Yeah. And, and then what about Jeff Stockwell? What did you meet him? Was it around the I same time? Yeah, that was about the same time. So I would go um, to San Clemente and, you know, that crew was so, so tight with each other. You know, Jeff would show up at, at Ian's house. Um, I pretty much met everybody I know through Ian, I think. Um, I met, that's actually where I met Chris Haffey was at Ian's house. Um, and it was like Ian, uh, Colin, Jeff Stockwell, Carl Sturgis, Mike Leaf would show up a lot. Um, that was kind of like the core group. So San Clemente, for people who don't know, is in Orange County, but it's the southernmost town that borders San Diego County. So it's almost more like San Diego than the rest of Orange County, I always felt. And they skated a lot with the San Diego guys. They came down quite a bit. A lot, yeah. So what about LA scene? Did you spend any time with those skaters? Like I know, you know, back then you had Ernie Ramos and Hong Fung and Gonzo. And yeah. lots of other skaters too, but. Gonzo's a big one. Yeah. I would skate with Gonzo a lot. So I kind of was like, I would, uh, I was like a nomad. Like I would go from like click to click. Um, and I was lucky in that regard. Cause I got to skate with like the greatest skaters of all time. Um, Gonzo was one of those guys for sure. Um, when I went to LA, it would be like me and Jeremy Soderberg and Craig Case. Um, and I remember meeting Tat Nasu and uh, Rainier and skating with the, the boot soldiers as they like to call themselves. Um, that, was, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, th that was like the main LA group of skaters. Did you ever get a skate with Ken Lee? I did, yeah, very, very briefly. Like I didn't get 
uh, like know him too too well, but he he was like a legend before you know I even started skating. Um, I skated with him in Manhattan Beach a few times, and um, I actually met uh, Adam Clark and Michael Chang through uh, through those guys. Um, yeah, that, that that was pretty fun. Th those guys are amazing. I mean, it's pretty amazing how you were definitely centered around so many great skaters in your location. Now, there was also Irvine. You got the FP crew. Did you spend any time skating with those guys? Not not so much the FP crew. They, they kind of stuck um, together with, you know, Joe Navron and um, Petty and all those guys. I never really got a, an opportunity to skate with those dudes out there. But um, it was mainly mainly the San, the, this, the San Clemente crew that I kind of hung out with. Now, all of you were really good skaters and you guys threw a lot of hammers and were some of the best like in the whole world at the time. Oh yeah. And you all lived in the same area. Yeah. How competitive were you guys with each other? And was, were you guys trying to outdo each other? I mean, how did you guys all get so good at the same time? That's a really good question. We, Ian was very like methodical in his like approach to, to skating, I think. And he he would make this like crazy laundry list of like all these technical tricks that he wanted to do and i think i think the the best guys that i got to skate with did the same thing like mike mike johnson did that he he like had like a like a black book of all the tricks that he was going to do and all the spins and and switch ups and stuff and we kind of would go to these spots going okay who's done the best trick here and what can i do to like one up that and we would constantly do that to each other um and what was interesting is like, you know, I would do a trick and then Ian would one up it. And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't use my trick now. Cause Ian just did, you know, full cab to it or 540 to it or whatever. Um, but that was, that was fun in that regard because we would like constantly push each other. Um, and it was, it was definitely like, you would go to these spots and it, it was methodical in that regard. You know, it's like, we're going there to, to do a hammer or to do like the best trick so that nobody else can come back here and try to one up us. That was kind of our approach. Now did that approach ever become not fun? Like did that, yeah, you know, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. I mean, like when it doesn't go your way, you're just like hurt all the time. And that, that was kind of like the downside to, you know, the, the hammer skating or whatever you want to call it. Um, where you're, you're trying to do a drop kink or a drop rail or a huge gap or whatever, and you're just like walking away with like broken bones or like bruised heels or whatever. I remember going to, um, oh, I remember going to uh, Lyle Shivak and Jimmy Ormsby's house and telling him like, hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to try to leap of faith. And I remember I made like a big thing out of it. And I remember telling my dad, I'm like, hey, dad, I'm going to try to 180 the leap of faith. I think I was the last person to try the leap of faith, actually. And I think about it before they put in the big elevator shaft. And I was like certain, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be the first guy to, to land this. And I was like hyping myself up. I didn't sleep the night before. And when, when I went there, it was like me, Lyle, Chris Haffey, Mike Leaf, all of San Clemente. And I remember just getting so hyped up. And then finally I'm like, okay, I went on, I stood on the, the middle portion of like where the kink is. And I would like literally stand on top of the rail and jump off. And I was landing it every time. I'm like, dude, I got this. This is no problem. And then I went and tried 
I tried it once and I just turned into like a pile of laundry. Just, it's so much impact and you're in the air for so long. You never even, you, you can't even anticipate when the ground is coming. And I remember bruising my heels so bad on that landing and that I could barely walk the next day. I didn't like break anything, but I remember my heels were just so bruised that I went to school the next day, just like tiptoeing, like it was, it was bad. And that's, that's kind of like when skating was more like it, it that's when skating like wasn't fun, you know? And that's when it was like, it was, you know, and, and that's as an adult, that's where I like, I step back and go, okay, like, I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> I can still like have fun without like killing myself. Um, but yeah. I've always felt that the level of skating that, you know, I was filming and you guys were doing was amazing to watch, but no one was really going out a to just skate and have fun. It had to be filmed. You had to get clips. Yeah. Right? It was business blading. Yeah. And people, people watching these videos back then, 95% of them couldn't do any of these tricks. You know, they wasn't attainable. Sure. Do you think that had an impact on people quitting skating because they couldn't achieve what all you guys were doing? You know what? That's a good question. I mean, I still skate. I, I skate all the time. Um, I'm 37 now. Um, that, that had an impact on, on how I skated. I think it was around 2011. And I was like, I think four by four was still around. I was still on remedies and I, I, my other sponsors were uh, revolution skate shop and ground control frames and some other companies. And I remember just thinking like, this is not sustainable. This, this kind of skating is like not sustainable throughout like the longevity of my life. And I remember going like, okay, I need to take a step back. You know, I need to like reevaluate what I want to do with my life and with, with skating and stuff. And I remember calling Kato going like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to school. So I got to like jump off the team. And he was like pretty understanding about that. And it took me maybe like a good, like two years to kind of like reset, like how I, how I skated and what I thought about skating. And, and it, what was kind of liberating in that regard is once I was like able to like let go of like the sponsors and stuff, I could like start skating a new, you know, like look at skating in a different light. And now it's like all about fun. You know, it's like not about hammers. After you kind of quit doing your hammer blading years, what type of spots did you focus on that were the most fun for you? I think I started skating park and, and probably ledges more just out of just pure convenience. You know, um, it was more about like the fluidity and, and just kind of like focusing on how you skate and not necessarily what you skate. How did you get on remedies to begin with? Um, it was the LA IMYTA. And uh, at the time I was skating, I think I was skating those brown Shimas that I think they were like, I don't remember what the model was, but they were like light brown. And I remember, you know, LA was like where I was from, you know, and I had everybody and their mom staying at my house. I had Ryan Northway and uh, uh, all of Santee, all of San Clemente, like literally staying, like laying on the floor. And I remember just trying to impress anybody that would watch my skating. And um, I know that's right around the time Kato came out with that, the new Remedies boot. And I think he was asking like uh, Haffy, he was like, hey, you know, who should we start considering putting on the team? And 
I think I was like one of Chris's first recommendation and Kato approached me and went like, Hey, do you want to skate for remedies? And I was like, absolutely. Um, I, to be, you know, totally honest, I did not like skating the remedies originally that Chris was skating, you know, like the, the black and light gray ones with the, you know, the light gray toe, they legitimately hurt my feet. And I have no idea how he was able to like jump gaps in those things. Um, but they came out with the new boot and I, I just fell in love with them. And I skated those for the next like, man, 10 years. So it was from 2003. That's when, that's when Kato put me on remedies and I skated that all the way until about 2013. That's really cool. I think that point you made with happy being able to do the tricks you did in those original remedies. Yeah. Just imagine if he had some like modern skates back then. I mean, the things he could have achieved. He skated those 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 original remedies. Yeah, right? they were not comfortable. No, uh, you know what? I don't know how a lot of those original rem skaters skated those skates because, I mean, Haffy would do like the biggest. I mean, he jumped leap of faith in those things, and he like almost landed it too. And I don't know how he did that without like completely destroying his feet. I can't imagine. You know, if he had the 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 now the new remedy boot and he was doing those tricks back in the day, like I can't even imagine what he could have done. That would have been amazing. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Who definitely would have fasted um, with Dallas Kink. Oh, for sure. And you know, it's funny, going back to Chris, um, he was he's always been in my corner. I have no idea why, but um he he was uh when I had my first um I don't know what it was called, coming up or I think it was called Virgins or something like that in Daily Bread. It was like the the very back page of like up and coming skaters. I, I had an opportunity where Dan Busta shot a, a couple of pictures of me and I, I got to be in Daily Bread um, right when I turned like 18. And Chris uh, wrote up my, my profile and he said like the nicest stuff. And I remember just being like completely wowed at, at that because um, he's been like one of my favorite skaters forever. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, he was such a, you know, he was all such a nice kid. I spent a lot of time filming yeah, with Chris, right. you know, picking him yeah. up and, and skating with you. I filmed, you know, we filmed a lot together as well. Yeah. I want to know if you even know why, but why did you never get a pro skate from Remedies? I don't, I don't know. Um, it's not like I, I never talked to Kato about it, but I, I don't know if he thought I was like undeserving of it or whatever. But to be honest, like, everyone brings that up and I, I never really focused my attention towards that stuff because I was so focused on like the actual like skating. Um, it's a good question. I would have loved to pro skate, but I don't necessarily think that has anything to do with really anything. Um, I remember we did talk about like color schemes and stuff. And I, I remember originally pitching um, Kato to make a more like colorful boot. And I, I, I even went to uh, such lengths as like to like mock up a Jordan four and turn it into a remedy. And he was like, Oh no, no, people don't want color. They want, they want black, white, and gray. I'm like, all right, sounds good. And then it just, it didn't ever happen. Um, and then by the time that I would even be considered for a pro skate, I kind of like jumped off the team just to kind of reorient myself. Um, yeah. I always feel like that you were the one person back then that should have got a pro skate but never did because you were nice. at the same level of everyone else and if you were around today with the tricks you did back then you would have all sorts of pro skates 
Yeah. You know. Well, that's nice. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. And I also feel bad because I really try to push to get you on a you know four by four pro team, mm-hmm. which never happened. Yeah. Um, but you always one of my choices for that. And well, that's you awesome. know, with three people, it's hard to you know do some things like that. But um, I always feel like you you were I mean for technical skating and hammers and everything and style like you were up there as one of the best in those days well that's and... nice thank you i remember going to your house and just like i remember right when you guys started four by four i was just like okay this this team has like the best skaters i mean it's like pat lennon brian Shima, john elliott rob thompson rob i mean rob thompson is like ne- next to happy like if we can just like put happy aside because obviously he's like at the top of everyone's list but rob thompson is besides happy the goat in my opinion he he was like he had so much attitude and he would just like do the craziest stunts he was another guy i really admired what skates do you skate now i have a bunch of skates and that's actually one like kind of a a cool thing about not being sponsored because now i don't have like any um I, i can skate whatever i want i don't have to you know skate just one brand so i bought the Tim Franken uh, God's boot, which I really like the style of. I think it's like a really nice looking and simplified boot. Um, and I also have a set of uh, red uh, Razor SLs, which I really like that I just got. And I was begging Jeff Akers. I was like, dude, re- like come out with the red SLs again. They will do really well. And I really want a pair and I can't find them anywhere. Um, so I have those two skates that I'm skating. And which one's your favorite of the two? Um, I'm right now. So when I stopped skating uh, Remedies, um, I stopped skating that boot in like 2017, and I switched to the SLs. I'm really used to the SLs. Um, I'm like, I, I hate switching skate brands because I feel like I have to like relearn tricks, like tops like i think I, at one point i tried to uh skate shadows and i could not skate those skates there was a, a point right around it was like maybe before i was on remedies where I, I was like flow for solomon and i tried i don't know why i could fast slide in solomon for days but i could not royale and i remember they started flowing me skates and i was like okay i'll, I'll try to, i'll try these skates and i could not royale in them and i'm like I think I did one drop rail and trash actually in Solomon's. I did like a topsail that you filmed in San Diego. And after I landed at that skate, uh, sorry, let me take that back. After I landed that trick on that topsail, I could not skate those skates anymore. I, I, I called, I forgot who the guy was, the representative over at Solomon, but I was like, hey, thanks, but I can't skate these skates anymore. But yeah, I'm, I'm really used to the, to the Razor SLs right now. Um, and I have like intuition liners in them, which I absolutely love. They're like the most comfortable skates. Are you um, still riding any rocker? All day, every day. I'm never switching. I don't care what they say on the message boards. I'm never going flat ever. I do. I do have a set of um, SEBA fitness skates that I use for filming that are flat 80 mil, um, 80 mil, um, and those are really nice for for any kind of filming, filming other skaters or, or whatever I do behind the scenes, because I can go super fast in them. 
you do any urban cruising on them? Do you do any like the LA night skates or anything like that? No, I don't do that, but I, I would, I would totally be open to that. Um, I really want to try the, uh, what do you call them? That's like three wheels across and they're like one, one tens. I've never skated. Oh, yeah, the tri skates. The tri skates. Yeah. yeah. Those look really fun. They're fun. They're pretty nice too on really crappy roads. And yeah. Is there anything you miss about that kind of your golden years of skating? Um, I miss uh, being able to like heal <laughs> like immediately uh i get like a a cut or a bruise now and it lasts like months um i remember like you know falling and and getting injured and then the next weekend i'd be like totally fine and you know let's go again let's try it again and now i'm i reconsider all of that um uh i recently tore my acl in my left knee uh right when the pandemic hit which is kind of a saving grace because like we were stuck at home anyways and all i could do is rehab the knee but you know that was like a very uh quick reminder that i am not uh the 18 year old skater i used to be um but i can still skate so is that the worst injury you've had that's absolutely without a doubt the worst injury i've ever had mainly because the rehab takes literally forever and i remember um you know uh grant hazelton he he just tore his acl and i'm like dude take the rehab seriously because it's going to be a while, you know, it's like at least eight months to a full year of recovery to like stretch out the ligament. It, it takes forever. Um, beyond that, my worst injury was tearing like all my ligaments in my right ankle. And I, I wish I had broken my ankle because a break heals very quickly, like within three to four months. Whereas the ligaments take forever to heal, you know, six, seven months. Um, those, those are huge setbacks in skating. How did you hurt your ACL last year? I was, oh, my, I had a buddy named Aaron Cohen who, who flies um, drones and stuff. And I remember going to uh, the Chino Hills skate park and he wanted to follow me around with this like little tiny, like FPV drone where he would like skim on the surface. And I was, I was warming up and I was doing a, there's like a very steep ledge right at the front of uh, Chino Hill skate park. And I was doing true spin um, negative Macchio and the ground was completely like greased up. Like somebody had spilled something slippery on it. And I remember coming off and my skate like completely slipped out and I landed right on my knee and I heard, I heard a pop and I knew immediately what I had done. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, I just tore my ACL and I have to go figure this out right now. It sounds so, terrible. Yeah. Are you still living in Manhattan Beach? Uh, I'm in uh, Gardena. So I'm just down the road from Manhattan Beach. I have a, a house here with my wife and son. Uh, and we are a straight shot down Manhattan Beach to the grandparents. Nice. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. And how old's, how old's your son now? He is uh, almost two and a half. Do any of your old skating friends have any kids the same age or close to? I mean, Chris does. Chris has a, a son, but he's in Australia, obviously. Yeah, so that doesn't, so, doesn't you know, do any good for you guys. Yeah, not close by. <laughs> now, who do you skate with these days when you go out on a session? Like, I know there's a lot of different skates happening. There's like the Sunday brunch sessions and I try to go to the LA skates. 
Yeah, I try to go to the Sunday brunch sessions. I've only been to like a couple of them, but those guys are so much fun to skate with, Casey and John Lake and all those guys. Um, usually when I go skating, I skate with my buddy, um, Jeremy Klo. Do you know Jeremy? I don't think so. Las Vegas skater. And then another guy, um, Matt Ardeen. Um, yeah, we usually go out and it's a bunch of old men just trying to keep up with the youngins. What was the last clip you got on tape? The last clip I got on tape, like a good, like, I mean, I film stuff for fun, like all the time, but like a, the last good clip I got, um, I did an alley-oop topsail on a down ledge. I uh, couldn't tell you the school, but it, John like or Casey filmed it. Um, it was some school in like, you know, downtown LA that I, I know you've seen before. Gonzo, I think alley-oop topsailed it. Um, yeah, pro probably that. <laughs> you made some skate videos and you, you filmed a lot back in the day. Mm -hmm. Now, what was the first video you made? Uh, the first video I made was Teach Them Well, actually. Okay. Yeah. And Teach Them Well was, well, what made you decide to make a video? And who was in it all again? Me, me, Jeremy Soderberg, Victor Arias, um, and Ian McLeod. Those are the main profiles. Um, you know... What, why did I start making skating videos? We just had this like stockpile of footage and we couldn't even like, we had so much footage, we couldn't like give it away. So I was like, you know, we should just make a video <laughs> that, that just kind of showcases all of our friends um, and we'll, we'll come out with it. We'll figure out like how to do it. I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, I was just kind of guessing at this stuff. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll find a this is when, <clears throat> excuse me, this is when DVDs were, you know, all the rage. I don't even know if people sell DVDs anymore, Blu-rays. It's all like online streaming. Um, but, you know, it's like you had to go find a DVD uh, duplicator and find a distributor. And I think, um, I think I, I reached out to Adam Johnson. I was like, hey, I have a video that you might be interested in would you want to distribute it and he said yes and i think it was through straight jacket i'm pretty sure it was um cool. but yeah he he kind of helped me in that capacity which was great so the next video you made was the one video that was the next video yeah so how do you go from making only one skate video to producing a video for one magazine Pure luck. <laughs> I, I, I forgot what the circumstances were, but I remember like um, chatting with um, Justin and Wes over at one. And, and I, I think I like brought it up like, cause I'd start started, you know, shooting like commercials as a cinematographer. And this is right around 2009. And, and when I say shooting commercials, I was shooting like NBA sports stuff and, and, uh, NFL sports stuff for a, a production company out in Culver City. Uh, and I, I kind of was already filming whenever I wasn't skating. So um, I just kind of brought it up in, in passing and they were like, yeah, let's, let's do a video, you know, cause they, they wanted to get the word out um, for the, you know, the magazine. Um, and then I had like this crazy idea to go rent a, this is right around when the red one camera came out it was like a big beefy, you know, 20 pound HD camera that could shoot 4k. 
And I was like, hey, let's get all the best skaters. So I called up all of Santee. I called Frankie Morales and Shima and John Elliott and all these guys. And they all came out to LA and we had like dollies. And, and I, I even went to such lengths as to uh, print fake permits, LA film permits. So if the cops came, I could be like, oh, hey, here's a, here's a piece of paper from LA film that says we're allowed to you know film here, which is a terrible idea. And thankfully I didn't actually have to use those those fake permits nor do i think that they would probably work but i thought they would work and thankfully we didn't get shut down um but yeah that that was cool to get all those guys in the, in the same uh location and, and film some hammers that's amazing you could tell watching that video the production value is top notch you know all the panning the yeah just the quality of the film and the slow motion yeah now was all of that video filmed with the red or did you have some no, other cameras just, too? just the intro yeah so that the intro kind of consists of um me going out with all those guys in la um and i remember at the time i was talking to doug urquhart um and he was like hey i have i have a phantom camera that we can use and i remember i don't i don't remember the circumstance but i remember flying out to atlanta georgia with um and staying with him and we would go and film David Sizemore and Montre uh, and, you know, at various spots with this, with, with this camera that was also equally big and hooked up to laptops and stuff. Cause I think we were filming at like a thousand frames a second, which for skating is a little too slow, but um, pretty, pretty cool and pretty groundbreaking in that capacity. Cause I had never seen uh, skating filmed with a phantom. This is right around the time where Spike Jones was filming um, the Lakai video fully flared. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to try to do something uh, in, in the same light as, as how he was kind of showcasing skateboarding. Yeah, it's amazing. You did a really good job. Now, who picked the skaters? Was it all you that picked who was going to be in the video or did Weston and um, Justin have a kind of vision for the video as well? They, they definitely had a vision. Um, uh, a lot of it stemmed from who I had immediate access to. Um, and, and that happened to be, you know, Ian McLeod, I'm like blanking on, on some of these skaters. Oh, uh, Mark Voida. He's incredible. Um, Jeff Dalness. I know they, they flew out Jeff a couple times. Um, and we tried to, you know, I didn't have that much time with them. So, you know, Mark, um, tried to film some on his own and so did Jeff, but I tried to, you know, when they were in California, I was like, okay, it's, it's go time. Let's, let's go get some clips, you know? Now, um, I watched the one video yesterday again, and I noticed that the soundtrack mm -hmm. was what Wes Driver listened to every single day when he was working. Did Wes pick the soundtrack? Um, Wes and Justin had some say in the soundtrack. I, we, we argued over, over the intro. Um, song but they they did have a lot to say you know they would be like okay here here are some some songs that we like and i would kind of pick from from the list and then like ask them if i could use like a song here or there and they were they were really collaborative in that capacity um i forgot we did have one argument over over the um intro song and it was i forgot what the band was but i remember the the song that we had in there now which i think was it was or is LCD sound system. 
it wasn't going to be LCD sound system. It was going to be something else. And now it's like, I don't know if you can, if you can use LCD sound systems and or song, let me start over. Now, I don't think you could use a soundtrack like that and get away with it without paying like, you know, royalties or whatever, especially in the streaming world. Um, that was, that's kind of interesting in that capacity. I think most videos that were made back then you couldn't produce now with the music, not having music rights. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they get around it now, especially with like streaming services, but um, I don't know how you like profit from that without like uh, paying these artists royalties, but. Well, I know a lot of people sell videos through like selfie, uh -huh. so it's not, they can't really track what songs are in it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Now, if you put it on YouTube, you know, yeah, you're not getting anything. Yeah, totally. So it's definitely more difficult now I think to make money off of skate videos. Oh, for sure. In between making Teach It Well and the one video, that's when you went to school to study film or what did you study exactly? Yeah, okay, yeah. so um, I, I went to, right after uh, the one video, I was actually in college at the time. I was finishing up my bachelor's in film, which was um, kind of focused towards um, editing or cinematography. And at the same time as, going to school and, and making the video, I was also a full-time editor. Um, I was a commercial editor in Culver City for a production company. Um, and I remember finishing the video, finishing school, sitting there at my, at my computer and just going like, I don't wanna be stuck inside all day, you know? So I decided to quit my job and I went back to school and got my master's um, starting in 2011, and I got my master's in cinematography, which is what I do now. So in the LA area, a lot of skaters have also gotten to working in film and production. Is there any skaters who helped you get started in that industry? Absolutely. Um, Dave Payne is a big, big one. Dave Payne, for anybody that doesn't know, was um, you're, you're responsible for the, uh, the VG series and showcasing like the greatest skaters in that rollerblading has to offer. Um, trying to think, Carl Sturgis is another one. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've, I was over at Carl's house in San Clemente where he's, you know, editing um, uh, film, the, the, the skate video film, um, the heat video, um, he, he taught me a lot. Um, and I, you know, it's so funny is like, I don't know what it is about skating that helps like transition skaters into I don't know what you call it let's just call it art in general because I run into them all the time you know it's like Randy Spicer and Arlo are artists uh Chris Smith who's um a really brilliant steadicam operator um it's from Atlanta I, I have no idea why skating kind of opens up like a different avenue but I run into it like all the time it's crazy why did you stop making skate videos? The time, honestly, like I, there's a part of me, I was talking to uh, my buddy, Matt Ardine, who's a skater and also a really brilliant gaffer in our, in the film industry. Um, I was talking to him about the one video cause somebody just posted it about, um, somebody just posted a, a clip from, from the video of like Montre doing the 180 with the phantom camera and um, Frankie Morales doing a huge 540 into this bank. Um, that you can see in the intro. I 
there's a part of me that really wants to do another skate video. It's just like, there's so much time that it takes to like make a proper section or an entire video, you know, a feature length video that it's just, it, it's, it's not conducive to the work that I do because my schedule is just like all over the place. Um, I would like to make another skate section with um, somebody. Um, I tried to reach out to Demetrius George, who's making like the most brilliant skating comeback of all time. Um, Cause he, he was like going out and doing these crazy hammers um, and like not really ha having like the proper, like, you know, crew to film. And I was like, Hey, stop skating just stop for a second let's talk about this and let's like have a plan I, I don't know whatever happened with that but um I, I really would like to do that Demetrius takes is a lot insane of time, as you know. yeah he's insane he's insane and Mark Woja like, also has been doing some good stuff again has he yeah he's been skating yeah. down there in Connecticut oh yeah I remember running into him at and, and meeting him at LA, uh, LA IMYTA and I always kind of compared his skating to um, Rob Thompson's and I was just blown away by his his level of skating and I remember just like I like literally going up to him going like okay anytime you come to California you're staying you're staying with me and we're gonna go get some some sick tricks on on camera um he he's a good guy it would be really cool to see you do a section with those two guys because yeah. Demetrius should hit you up. I mean, you've done sections with both of them in the past, so it'd be cool to and Demetrius, kind of have I, I a... I forgot about Demetrius for the one video. He He's incredible. Yeah, so it would be great to see another edit of Demetrius from you. I know he's been yeah. filming a lot with Richard, but yeah. you should just film both of them. I should. I should reach out to Richard. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really cool. What was your goal initially like going what did you want to achieve in the film industry going into it did you have like a set path you want to take or did that kind of change the further you went along with schooling you know it's still evolving because like my my uh career path has gone like all over the place because i went from being a dp to an editor back to a dp to now like a camera operator slash steady cam gimbal operator um and it kind of just boils down to like whatever I feel like doing, I guess. It, I like camera operating because I get to like collaborate with other people in a different capacity. Um, and I get to incorporate skating into it too, which is kind of fun. Like I'm literally doing a job, which I can't tell you what it's for, but I'm, I'm working on Thursday and Friday and I'm gonna be operating on skates, which is like a requirement for the job, you know? Um, which is pretty fun. You know, it's like, I get to like incorporate both of my passions for my job yeah i've seen some photos of you with those rigs when you have your skates on and they're really big and cumbersome they're huge what is it like to use those and did, how hard was it to start operating a rig like that on skates um it's i mean i can operate most things on skates just because i've been doing it for you know 30 literally 30 years um but they're it's kind of like uh ballet and weightlifting and skating at the same time because it's like you have so much weight out in front of you um that it you just are using like different muscles when you skate but it, you know skating is comes second nature um but yeah it, it the learning curve wasn't terrible it's more about like 
the technology and like wrapping your mind around that. And when you incorporate skating, it's, it's easy. I'm sure there's a lot of people who do that type of filming, but how popular is it for people to use skates while doing it? It's not very popular, but um, usually um, when I get calls like that, they go, if I can't do the job, they go, oh, do you have any recommendations? And I'm like, not really. I have John Like. I got, uh, I was, I did a, a, a pilot out in um, Virginia for this show on Apple Plus called Swagger. Um, and then we lost some like main talent after we filmed the pilot, they showed it to Apple and they were like, cool, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we'll give you like, you know, 10 episodes or something like that for season one. Uh, and we're gonna refilm it. So they're like, oh, will you come back out to Virginia to film this? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm on, I can't, I'm on something else. And they're like, well, we really need a, an operator who knows how to skate. And I'm like, okay, well, you're gonna call John Lake because he's the only guy besides Vinny Minton that I know. And Vinny really cool. all the time, you know? Right. So you guys are pretty niche in what you're doing. Yeah, but it's not, it's not too common. Um, it's not too common because we have like other methods of moving the camera, either like on, on uh, moving platforms like um, carts, electric carts, um, ATVs or, you know, what have you, cars. I remember a few years ago that you were working on your own type of rig or something for filming. What was that project? I'm a, I'm a tinker. So I like, I have a company, I have a, a, a camera rental company and I have another company um, called 1A Tools and we make like electronics and um, accessories for cameras and gimbals and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I make all sorts of stuff. How is that going? I mean, do you have a lot of time for that? I have no time for that. I have no time for anything, Jan, uh, especially like being a dad. That, that, that takes up a majority of my time. So like um, any, any free time I get, um, it's, it's like, you know, I'm either on set or um, I'm, I'm working. <laughs> so so when, uh, when my son comes home from daycare, uh, it's like full dad mode. And how often do you have to leave town for work? Um, right now I'm kind of choosing to kind of stay local because I it's kind of hard being a dad that travels, especially with my son this young. Um, I'll, I'll probably end up traveling a, a, a little bit more when he's older, but I, you know, these are kind of important years. So I, I kind of want to keep it local. Um, I am going to Las Vegas next week for like a full week. Um, but usually, usually I'm kind of local. Yeah. A week's not too bad. Yeah, you know, I could see bad. a couple months or something when being, that's, that's the challenging thing of, you know, being, being married and being a dad and, you know, I, my family kind of comes first. So, you know, I have to keep an open dialogue with, with my, my wife and son. Yeah, to, that's uh, good. Plan for those things. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to keep it local right now. So. Now, what are some of the biggest projects you've worked on? Uh, outside of skating. Outside of skating. I mean, I work on a, a like, everything man like i i work on music videos like i just did one that came out today for michael buble i've worked with cardi b um last a couple of weeks ago i was with um zach braff shooting a, a t-mobile commercial and the week before that i was with miley cyrus um and it's it's just you know whatever job comes my way with the people that i usually work with i I'm, i usually take you know 
Um, but you know, I've I worked on everything from TV shows to movies to commercials, pretty much everything. Do you have any favorite projects or ones you're most proud of being part of? Um, not not really. I mean, I work on a bunch of stuff. Um, usually, I mean, one of my favorite experiences was a movie I did out in Alabama um, with my buddy Brandon Cox and Spencer Goodall. Um, that was a movie we filmed over the course of five weeks, I think. And it was with Aaron Eckhart. Um, that was super fun, really good experience. Um, but yeah, I work on a, a, just a bunch of stuff and I, I like it all. I like, I, I love my job. And what was it like working with Kevin Smith? Oh yeah, Kevin Smith. He's a hoot, man. He's so fun. Um, super collaborative guy, really funny, has a good attitude, knows his stuff. and you know, I, that was a great opportunity. Somebody was like recommended me for a job and they're like, Hey, do you want to shoot uh, some, like a splinter unit for um, Jay and Silent Bob? And I was like, yes, I do. And I showed up and they're like, Oh yeah, we're going to shoot Matt Damon today. I'm like, Matt Damon, that's cool. And he was great guy, easy to work with. Um, that, yeah, he, Kevin Smith is a great guy. Would love to work with that guy again. So if there's some skater out there right now who dreams of doing what you do, in LA, what would you recommend for them to pursue or what should they do to pursue the route that you've taken? You know, um, in terms of, that's a good question. Let me think about that. I think, uh, it kind of depends because I think the reason I, I just got lucky, you know, uh, I just kept skating and just kind of focusing on the skating and, and, and not really focusing on, on really anything else, in, uh, including like, you know, whatever, whatever fame, if you can even call it that, that came from skating, it, it was never really about that. It was always about how fun skating is. And I think because I, I kind of focused on, on the fun aspect, it's kind of allowed me to kind of like let go of other things and, and just focus on myself and really just taking any opportunity that comes your way in terms of of allowing skating to take you on different avenues albeit art or a different career path and just kind of being open-minded to that and is there any sort of degree that would help in that not really i mean honestly like i have a master's degree at a bachelor's degree that i i use never i never use them ever um and it's really about you know, being collaborative and open and easy to work with and, a, you know, a hard worker and showing up when it matters um, and taking any opportunity that, that kind of comes your way. But more, more importantly, just like just being open-minded to, you know, the avenues that kind of skating will introduce you to. Cool. Well, hopefully some others can follow your path. And I'm sure you've been an inspiration to some people out there in your film work, you know, yeah. on top of your skating. That would be cool if that, if somebody took inspiration from this. <laughs> now, what was your regular daily schedule like during your skating career versus your regular daily schedule today? You know, waking up at noon, <laughs> um, you know, like, I just, I, when you ask me that, I think about, you know, going to San Clemente, like late Friday nights and, and, 
we would we were arguably obsessed about skating. You know, we were watching videos nonstop. Um, and when I say videos, I mean every video that ever came out ever, uh, and uh, just being obsessed with tricks and styles and you know, um, and and just going places. And um, we we would wake up probably like 10, 11 o'clock, very very you know relaxed skater schedule. And uh, we would just drive to these places and just session every single weekend, all day long. Um, we would even like wake up at you know 4 a.m. and and skate till the next day, like full 24 hours. I remember going with uh, with Haffy, um, and we went out to like UCI or just random spots where he's like, "This the spot doesn't matter. You just have to show up and do a, a cool trick." And we would we would show up at like you know. It would be two o'clock in the morning. We'd pull over the car and we'd just see a random drop rail on the side of a, a road and be like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna royal off the off the side of that." And he he would do, you know Chris would do it and he's like, "Okay, it's your turn. You have to do it now." I'm like, "Okay," you know. Um, the schedule was very lax, you know. Um, now it's like I I wake up when my son wakes up, which is like six thirty a.m. and I have my two or three cups of coffee and I'm. I'm going to work or set or working here and designing stuff. I'm literally like, I'm not going to show you right now, but I have like, I'm at my, my uh, dinner table right now. And there's just like electronics, like scattered everywhere right now. The things you design, do you just do that? Like at home? I just do it at home. Yeah. Like, and you just buy parts and make things. Um, I was on a, a musical actually a couple of weeks ago and um, during some downtime, I was like, hey, I, you know, I, I really wish I had this part that doesn't exist. And so in between, you know, setups or whatever, I would literally bring my laptop to set and 3D design these these parts and I'd go home after set and I'd print them on my 3D printer, come back the next day and the part exists, which is pretty cool. And I think I'll, like what I really like about skating and art and filmmaking is like, I'm like creating something. I think that's really what it boils down to is, you know, I'm making a video that exists. I'm making a part that exists. I'm doing a skate that exists in, or I'm, I'm doing a skate trick that exists in the, in the, the realm of our world, you know? And, and it's like being, being like an auteur is kind of like what I think is like the common denominator between like all these skaters is like ownership over something. Right. Yeah, that's totally true. What are your future goals in your career? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I don't really, uh, you know, just trying to find happiness and, and travel with my wife and kid. And um, I don't have like dreams of winning an Oscar one day. Um, I think it's kind of a dead end um, in that capacity. I, I just want to be, I want to like the projects I'm working on. I want to continue skating. Um, and it's like, I'm 37 now and I'm already, now I feel like this is like the first age where I'm starting to feel a little old, but then I look at like John Julio skating on his Instagram and I'm like, oh, I, I could do this for another 15 years. Like no problem. You know, um, you know, just, just trying to, um, take the days as they come and, and, you know, skate when I can. Now going back to your skating career. I know we went on some tours with 4x4 and RIMS up to Northern California, Sacramento and things like that. How much traveling were you doing for your sponsors? And what was some of your favorite trips you went on? 
One of my favorite trips I went on, I didn't actually even get to skate. And I think Kato was kind of let down a little bit. I think I, uh, I was filming for, I think I was filming for the ground control video that never came out. And I was, I was back where I, there's a kink and I'm going to blank on the name, uh, like my, my uh, location knowledge of all these skate spots or what the location or what the, the spots are called is like very limiting now, but it's the kink rail at uh, Dana Point High. You know, that little kink rail in the back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying to back out up it and I remember getting past the kink and I like heard a pop in my right knee and I tore my MCL. And I was just like, I didn't, that was the first knee injury I ever had. And I was like, oh no, I'm supposed to go to Germany on this like big winter clash trip with with remedies and i remember i had this like crazy like robocop leg that they like a brace that they put my leg into to help my mcl heal and i was like kato like i i can't skate but i can film can i can i still go to to the winter class and he was like yeah that's cool and we showed up and partied our asses off and um had a great winter clash that was a that was a great experience. We stayed at this hostel where the, the owner had these gigantic rabbits, like the size of horses. These things were huge. Um, and we would wake up every morning super early. And this the, the owner of this hostel, I, I think that's what it was. I think it was a hostel. He would have this long table just full of food, like sausages and eggs and all sorts of just breakfast stuff. And he would treat us every morning before he we went out to the skate uh, park to go and you know, skate, skate winter clash. Uh, that was a cool experience. And that was my first time in Germany. I stayed at a similar place there. Maybe we stayed at the same place. I don't remember. I mean, um, the guy, I, you would, you would totally remember it. Cause the, the rabbits were huge in the backyard. You could uh-huh. ride them. They were so big. Oh, really? Oh yeah. No, I don't remember that. Yeah. They were like the size of like golden retrievers. Did you ever get to go to the winter clashes in Eindhoven in Holland? Never. I would love to that that's actually like in terms of like um spectacle I think winter clash is like one of the greatest um contests there is for skating I mean I I haven't seen that many skaters in one spot in my entire life there was skaters from all around the world there and the amount of like camaraderie and like hype that you that you experience there just like being in the same room as all these skaters is incredible now they haven't had a winter clash for the past couple of years because of COVID. But yeah. will we ever see you attending a winter clash event in the future? For sure, absolutely. Yeah, I I tried to show up to um blade uh, blading cup this past year, um, and it was just like it was so packed with people. And I remember you know watching the skaters like you know skate the course, and I was like I was with my buddy Jeremy, and I'm like, Jeremy, I'm gonna go back to your car, and I'm gonna go get my skates, and I want to do one trick. And then I'm going to sit down and it'll be right in between the heats. I remember, you know, the, Matt Mickey like called one of the heats and he's like, okay, that's, that's it for heat, you know, five or whatever. And I remember going onto the course really quick and true top pointing up this ledge first try and like, maybe not first try, maybe second try. And like being like, okay, cool. I'm done. I don't need to skate anymore. And I went back into the crowd, took my skates off and just kind of watched the rest. Um, that, that's that, awesome i would love to skate a contest again for sure as far as contest skating goes what was some of your favorite contests to skate in and how many contests did you actually skate back in the day um one of my favorite contests was uh la imyta the first one 
that was incredible. Uh, mainly just because of all the people that, that came out and flew out to LA and, and actually stayed at my house. And, uh, you know, we, we just had a great uh, skate at the contest and then we partied really hard afterward. Um, I, I skated, you know, as, as many contests as I could. I personally did not like contest skating um, just because it, it usually ended up in me getting hurt. <laughs> or trying something I shouldn't have. Um, but, um, you know, I skated like there was blanking on all the names, but like there's Florida comps, there's um, Bitter Cold Showdown. That was a big one that I really like skating. Um, I usually hate skating in the cold, but usually the, the, the parks are pretty good. Yeah, those were rad. The Florida comp was powwow? Powwow, yeah. Yeah. Onto yeah. the last one of those. Well, and then they yeah. did a new last one a couple years ago at the start of COVID. I didn't go to that one though. Now that the, that's the one with like the huge like some I forgot what it's called. It's called Kona Skate Park. Kona. I've always yeah. wanted to skate Kona. Kona yeah. looks bad. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very, very a very old skate park. I think it's the oldest in the US. Is it? Yeah, it's the oldest oh. concrete park. Now LA. And the Orange County scenes have seen a lot of energy in the past few years with Julio and them and stores opening, various skate shops around the LA area. How has the scene changed in your eyes now compared to how it was when you grew up in LA? Oof. That's a that's a deep that's a deep question because when we were skating back in the day, it was kind of like a little bit shunned. Uh, it was like an underground sport. It was something that, you know, other extreme sports poked fun of. But now with the way the world is, I guess, uh, I think people are starting to open up their minds to, to different possibilities in, in like the extreme sports um, sports. Um, specifically with, with inline skating and um, scooters. Um, I love, absolutely love how Julio, whenever he is part of a company, he's like the master curator of how, how his, his brand is seen, how his team looks. Um, I, I really admire all the work that he does in that capacity, on top of being an amazing skater, of course. Um, but uh, it's it's completely different, I think, with with the introduction of like social media, how how we how we um, see skating is is different as well. Back in the day, it was if you wanted to see skating, you want you had to go to uh, either a skate park, a contest, or you had to buy a video. Um, now it's like every you can see skating in any in all capacity. You can see it on. Instagram, you can see it all over the internet and every single video and every single section probably exists on YouTube. Um, there's contest skating, you know, the avenues that you're able to, to uh, explore for skating are, are way more vast than they ever were before. That's for sure. And it's just a lot more unified too, between way disciplines, you know, even the, you know, big wheel blading and rec yeah. skating and yeah, you know, and slalom think, yeah, and they're, they're all more tied in. For sure, and I think now more than anything, like skating as a as a, a standalone sport is more cohesive, in the sense of like people are more like open minded and and you know just just open to to big wheels like the different kinds of skating. There's like 
park skating and street skating and uh you know i i've been following mike torres and his like wizard blading i which i love watching it's just, it's something that i i don't do but i think it's like really fun to watch and i think he and anybody that does wizard skating you know really enjoy it um and i think more than anything now it's it's about the pure enjoyment of skating i agree with you you know it's not about it's not about like doing hammers and trust me i love watching hammers but like it's about like the fluidity and the style of you know like what broskow is doing with his skating i i absolutely love that i think that's one reason there's a lot more people skating again is yeah. because it's more fun you know it, it allows them like you an know to explore as opposed to going and watching somebody you know do a quadruple you know drop you know kink drop rail and going like oh i can never do that so i'm just yeah. not gonna do it you know i mean you could look at some of the youtube channels that are popular it's the skaters you know they're not dropping hammers it's just having fun they're older sure but everything they're doing is attainable for people so but, but it's also it's popular technical. you know so i think it's it's technical in that capacity well you know, with like, so many skaters i'm talking more like you know just your average everyday sure. skater you know sure. that's actually has a following because the skating they do is attainable versus, yeah, and, well, versus well, the pros you know for sure and i think um i, I kind of love how people just they kind of stop giving a shit you know like uh robbie pitts for instance he, he skates the way he skates and he's like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna dress how i want to dress i want to skate how i want to skate and love it or hate it this is me and i absolutely love that i think that's cool because i think i don't think that kind of skating would have been um glamorized like when i was skating it was kind of something that was shunned i think and i and i love how skating has kind of taken a turn um in, in that capacity you know so you have a lot of skaters that quit in the mid 2000s coming back into skating now yeah that didn't see the evolution of the sport and how it's changed yeah. and all they want to see is hammer blading and they think everything else is lame how do you react to people like that with that opinion i mean i i can kind of sympathize with them a, a little bit because like a part of me i do want to see like more hammers but i obviously i don't want to see people getting hurt i i like i like it all man i i i, I love watching um like mushroom blading and i love you know technical you know tricks or whatever and i you know, I'm thinking of like Sean and Colin Kelso and how they're kind of transforming their skating again, you know, Colin and Sean are like one of the most tech skaters ever. <laughs> and the way that they're, they're able to kind of turn on the tech and, and kind of turn their mind off and just skate how they want to skate, regardless of if, if the tricks that they're doing are tricks, or if you want to consider them tricks, or it's more about, you know, the, I, I don't know how you would describe the, the skating that they're doing now, but it's it's different and um, they they just want to be them, you know, and I, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, those two guys, they've explored every type of skating within the discipline and they mastered them all. Mastered, like, you know, without a doubt. Um, I, I don't even think, I mean, you would know, like some of the tricks that they're doing, they don't, are they tricks or do they have names? I, I, you have no idea, but it's really cool to watch, you know? The thing I've been seeing with a lot of skaters out there, or maybe not a lot, but a select few, is they're mixing skating, like, you know, mushroom blading, wizard skating, slalom moves, all these different things together and bringing them into aggressive. 
And I think that's kind of, you would have had sort of an impact on those guys a little bit um, because a lot of these moves you see are, you know, with slalom, it's all about footwork. So you're doing a lot of things, but on, you know, P-rails and whatever, like growing up, what skater had the biggest influence on your style? Um, I think John Elliott had the biggest influence on me. Um, I never really tried to like emulate any skater's style. It was just like the, I, I skated the way I skated, but in terms of, I, I think a skater is mainly defined off of, and I still think this is true, how they dress, uh, spot and trick selection. And I, I never really considered John Elliott like a technical skater, but he had such a presence with like the way he did or landed a trick that it was really hard to not take notice of that. Um, specifically like when his, when his section came out for brain fear gone, I was blown away. I was like, this is like one of the, the coolest skaters I've ever watched. Um, and that, that was, you know, when was that like 2002, 2001, yeah, something like maybe? that. Yeah. 2002, I'd say. And I remember, um, I remember trying to like get a hold of him and just and just telling him like he, he was like my hero for years. Um, he he was a, a big one. Um, Aaron Feinberg was a big one. Um, but yeah, I would say more than anybody, it was John Elliott for sure. And then John, you got to spend some time with later on when you got older. Yeah, you know, you, you rode for Rattail with Vicious and Four by Four. Yeah, and you toured with us and you came down and filmed. Yeah. What was it like getting to know John and actually hang out? Did you ever get to skate with him at all? Or oh, was yeah, he already done skating? I... But he, he was kind of like on his, his way out. He, I don't know if he was skating the way he was skating in like Brain Fear Gone days. Um, I remember always just being intimidated by him. I, man, even still, <laughs> myself, I'd probably be intimidated. But um, it was awesome. It's like getting to skate with, with the guys that you grew up watching. It's, it's an incredible feeling, you know? It's like all these guys that you looked up to as, as a kid, you know, um, you know, getting to meet Arlo, you know, and, and skate with Arlo Eisenberg. It's like, I watched hoax too until the tape reel fell out of the VHS tape, you know? Um, and what's really crazy, this is a side note. What's really crazy is I just did that Miley Cyrus job and you know, who was on the job with me, Brandon Smith and Brian Smith. Oh, really? Yeah. They were the photographers, which is amazing. That's really um, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting to skate with your, your heroes is pretty amazing and getting to know them later in life is cool. Now I know John was, you know, watching John, he could just do a simple trick and make it look amazing. Exactly. And he was also very, you know, fit as far as skating goes. He did grew up doing gymnastics, which really helped his skating. I think, did you do I did anything not know that. I did as not a kid, that. like to, to supplement your training or any exercises or sports or anything else? Yeah, I did. I did a lot of baseball growing up. Um, I was never into football or soccer or anything like that. I did a lot of baseball. Um, I played third base and right field. There was a point where I was a catcher and I kind of gave that up. And then right around, uh, right around high school, I remember, I think I got school credit for, for being um, sponsored actually by, I want to say remedies, um, where my, my senior year, they were like, okay, you don't have to take a sport. Like, you know, we know that you're, you know, sponsored skater now. So we'll give you school credit, which is pretty cool. I don't know if they still do that. I'm sure they do, but, 
that was, that was rad. That was fun. I remember people taking skating for as their PE class as well in different areas. Yeah. Now, what's your craziest Santee story? You know, Lyle Shyback was my roommate for like a while, right? Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he he came and he stayed uh, at my when I was living with my mom when I was younger. Uh, he came and stayed with us, and he would sleep on the futon next to my bed. And he hated the futon, hated it. Um, he, you know what, going back to your question, like who had the biggest influence on you? He was a huge influence on me because I considered him one of the greatest um, San Diego skaters of all time. And he was doing tricks that weren't even like on the radar for people. Like he was doing, he was the first person I ever saw do a hurricane fish brain or a hurricane topsail. Um, and he's the one that actually showed me how to do like spins into grinds and stuff. Um, he, he was a... a, a a major influence for me i think but yeah going back uh he was my roommate for a year and a half two two years or something and um craziest santee story he used to live with jimmy ormsby and he told me this story about um how jimmy shaved his entire body all of his body hair all of his arm hair his pubic hair his face hair and he and he collected it in a bag and he put it in uh, the front of Lyle's um, hoodie, like, like where you put your hands, right? And he stuffed it full of his, his body hair. And Lyle went to school uh, and he was sitting in class and he reached into his, <laughs> into his sweatshirt and just started pulling Jimmy's body hair all over his desk. And I, I remember just, just thinking about that, just laughing. There was, I have so many Santee stories those guys would get on each other's nerves and they would like do like the worst stuff to each other. Uh, I remember somebody was mad at Lyle. It was either like Damien or, or Jimmy and they took Lyle's skates and they wrapped it up in a plastic bag and put a knot into it and threw it and it like landed in the bottom of the pool and it's like Lyle had to go jump in and, and get him. There was one where they took a, a dead bird, dead bird. They lifted up uh, the insole of Lyle's skate and they put it underneath. And so when Lyle put his foot in the skate, it like smushed the dead bird into his skate, which is like the worst thing in the world. Uh, I have an IMYTA story that's really gross. Um, I don't know if you're gonna put this on the podcast because it's, it's disgusting. I remember, so we had this huge party during LA IMYTA where like all these skaters all over the world came and stayed at my house. I probably had like, 40 people. If a bomb dropped on my house at that moment, rollerblading would have been over. That's how many people were at my house. So I remember uh, Jimmy Ormsby, Lyle, I don't know if Damien was there, but a bunch of other people, maybe Robbie Whitcomb, they were staying at my house and they left after it was over. And I get a call uh, from Jimmy. He goes, hey, I think I left my car keys in a, in a Doritos bag that I put in the trash can in your room. I was like, why, why did you put your car keys in a Doritos bag? And he goes, well, you know what? I, can you just like go in there and just mail them to me? And I was like, sure, right? So he had taken a dump in a, in a nacho cheese Doritos bag and sealed it and left it for me like, as a prize. And I Those was like- Those kids are so this bad. This guy is fucked up, man. <laughs> one story I remembered after I interviewed Damien was at one of the Razor's premieres in, Darren, 
East County or North County or whatever, San Diego, they were sitting in the bushes with BB guns shooting people when they were getting into the doorway. Yeah, you can't do that now, Jan. You can't. No. Yeah, you go to jail for that shit now. There's a lot of sh- They should be in jail for like life for the shit that they do. Oh, God. So that. <laughs> I mean, one, one of the skits that, that um, Nick Wood did to me, which is actually kind of funny. So like Nick and I have a shared um, hatred towards new skates. I hate new skates. Like everyone loves new skates. I hate new skates because you have to break them in and, um, you know, the groove is never right. And I have to sit there and like grind curbs to get the groove like perfect the way I want it. And so we, we always hated new skates. So Kato was going to ship me a brand new pair of um, like these like white remedies. And I remember Nick would like shot them up with like shotguns and like knifed it and like burned it and stuff. And he's, and he thought it was funny. And he was like thinking like, oh, you know, Connor's not going to skate these. And I was, and I was thinking like, wouldn't it be funny if you actually did mail me that, that set of burned, like messed up skates and I actually tried to skate them and we turned it into like something funny where like he actually did mail me the skates and I, and I went out like on a, a full weekend and just tried to get as many like tricks as I could comfortably get with, with the broken skates and got some pretty good tricks in them, man. Let me tell you. I, I just like duct taped the skate onto my foot and, and try to remove as many like bullet shells as I could. Um, but it, it kind of worked out. And I think people kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> now, when we filmed for United Front 2 Trash, uh-huh. which you had a section uh-huh. in it, and Gonzo had a section uh-huh. in it, which is funny because you both had sections in VG23 uh-huh. as well. Now, going back to that video, we had a lot of sessions where you did some pretty good hammer skating uh-huh. you know uh-huh. i remember like where bernice you did a lot of cool tricks on that uh-huh. you did a lot of big gaps yeah. what were some of your favorite tricks that you've ever done in your career the, the one that comes to mind that i'm like the most proud of is there's this like it's actually in the in the city that i live in it's in gardena at gardena high school there's like this renowned drop rail that I'm, I'm sure a million people have done in various videos. I think I saw a, a clip recently of David Sizemore like front fast sliding it, which is amazing. Um, I went there with Dave Payne because I was like, I want, I want the opening trick of, of one of the VGs. I think it was like VG 21. And I was like, I was telling Dave, I'm like, dude, I'm going to go to this drop rail and I'm going to do like one of the biggest hurricane topsoles on this drop rail that has ever been done ever. And he was like, no, you're not, no, you're not. And I'm like, no, let's go. We're going to do this. And I was with Jaron Grobe. I don't know why I was with Jaron Grobe, but Jaron was like staying with Dave Payne. I think maybe he had a section or something, or he was trying to get clips with um, Dave. And so I was with Jaron Grobe. And I remember, I was like, oh, Jaron Grobe's here. I have to do it now. So I remember going up to the top of this thing and just trying it a couple of times and just eating absolute shit. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I, I do it and I get to the bottom and Dave's like, great, that's it. You did it. Let's go. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to one up myself right now. And I went up to the top and I did a hurricane topsail to true topsail immediately after landing it. Uh, and I'm like, cool, now we can go. Um, that's the one that I'm like most proud of. Um, cause I don't think I would dare try that now. Cause it like the drop is pretty big. Um, in turn and like other tricks, I don't know. Um, I mean, one trick that comes to mind as being a crazy trick was your 450 back royale in Santa Guido. Oh yeah, that one. That one sucked. 
that was that was a horrible experience trying to get that let me tell you because i i remember i remember trying like going there going like i had a laundry list of all the tricks i wanted to do for the one video and we would just go down there and go okay i'm gonna do this then we're gonna go to this school i'm gonna do this and i would cross it out and that that's kind of like the approach that mike johnson would take he would like make this laundry list and he would cross out after he did the trick right and that's how that, that going back to like the the conversation we were having before that's kind of like how i was approaching like the methodical stunt skating where i'm like okay i'm gonna go to this this school or this this location because it's you know this is the best trick that's been done and i'm gonna try to do something better or whatever right um and i remember sandy Gita was like at the top of the list and i was like i'm gonna 450 back route and i remember i forgot who was there but i remember going and you know gapping to just to royale and the, the rail is so steep right it's not so much like it's a big gap to the rail i mean it is kind of a big gap to the rail but like the rail itself is so steep that it just shoots you into the ground and there's like a big pothole like a a, a sewer manhole that it would shoot you right on top of and i remember like getting enough balls to just like go okay i'm gonna try this and i ate let me tell you i ate crap a couple times where i just landed full knees just like straight into the ground and i remember just like I think in the in the one video trailer, if you can even find it online, I'm like screaming into the manhole, and that's kind of like where skating's not very fun and it's all business blading. Um, but that one was cool, like being able to like land that and like barely hold on to it and then skate away. That that was kind of a big deal for me. And then your fakie backflip to Carlsbad, which I believe I was there for that. That was that was first that was first try too, which I'm really proud of. <laughs> And I don't think that gap is there anymore either. I think they tore it down. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been there in so long since I've moved. But yeah. I remember I bought a new camera for that. Um, I, I bought like a Sony V V1X or V1U or something like that. And I remember I handed my camera to Carl Sturgis, who happened to be there. And I'm like, Carl, will you film this? I'm going to do this. And he's like, you're going to do that? I'm like, yeah, here we go. And I went first, tried, backflipped it. I'm like, cool. Thank you. Took the camera. I'm like, got the clip, you know um that was cool what made you decide you were going to backflip a set of stairs and have you done any backflips on anything else before oh yeah for sure i remember i was at woodward west and originally what i really wanted to do because i've seen like pat lennon i remember for four by four video pat wanted to go to one of those gaps at san diego and he was like okay i'm gonna fake you backflip it i remember watching him i can barely do a backflip standing on the ground like i can do it but it's like kind of hard for me and I remember what like before Pat did it he would like look like standing in his shoes over his shoulder and he would just backflip in place like it was no big deal and he's like cool I'm gonna put my skates and I'm, I'm gonna do this first try and he did it first try and I remember thinking like how cool it was that he was able to do that and the only person other than him was um a skater that I, I can't remember his name, but he was from Brazil and he was friends with Carlos Pianowski. And then, uh, and then of course, Vinnie Mitten doing it in amateur. And I remember going like, I really want to try to learn this trick. But I remember going to Woodward to not learn a fakie backflip, but to try to do gainer backflips and just failing miserably, mi miserably. And going like, okay, if I can't do a gainer backflip, I'll learn how to do a fakie backflip. And I remember trying to do it at a contest where I'd roll up uh, a quarter pipe and then it would be like a flat bank to a, a lower bank and I remember going and then going faking and then backflipping it and almost landing it like pretty pretty easily 
and then then I it just kind of like gave me the courage and the muscle memory to to try it on actual you know street skating places um I did it there's there's probably a section on YouTube uh and I think it was Quinn Feldman maybe put it out uh I couldn't tell you what it was called but I remember I did it over a rail so it was like there's a rail or a school that um Frankie Morales skates at the one intro where he 540 it's like the last trick in the intro where you like 540s at that school there's a, a really cool down rail and I remember fakie backflipping like over it which is pretty cool that I did for fun during a contest and there was a contest at the school there was a contest at the school it was some LA contest couldn't tell you what it was but it was like cool. me um I think it was Mike Dempsey some other people now another trick that is pretty cool you did was the 360 top solo on the Manhattan beach ledge. Yep. How long were you eyeing that trick for seeing that's in your hometown? And how many tries did that take? That one didn't take that many tries. Cause I, I, you know, by the time I did that, I, that was like my most comfortable trick. Like I could probably do it on anything. Um, I remember, so I did that. And then, you know, some years passed and I remember we were filming for the one video and I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to take Mark Voida here because I know he's going to do something that's going to one up me and he ended up doing fakey 540 soul on it, which took him a couple tries, but I remember just being blown away. I'm like, no one's going to top this. And if you've ever gone there, that ledge is gigantic and there's really no way to save yourself. The ledge comes up to like your shoulder. So you really have to like commit to like going, getting the speed, doing the spin and like landing the trick. Otherwise you're just going to eat shit. What is it about inline skating that you love so much that's kept you in the sport for most of your life? That's a good last question. Um, I, I like that. I'm able to like put on skates and, and learn something new every single time I put on the skates a different way of spinning or looking or, or you know, just the feel of, of the wheels underneath your feet. Uh, you know, Shane Coburn, um, back in the mind game video, always talked about skating being like an extension of your body. And I, I love that I, I can, you know, get exercise and, and also kind of push my body um, beyond its limits. Um, and honestly, it's just like the feel of skating is, is unlike any other sport uh, I've experienced. And I, I, I'm going to continue to do it until my legs fall off, I think. Awesome. I, uh, I feel the same way. Maybe not at your level, but I'm still skating now. And I plan on skating pretty much as long as I can. There, there's a, a skater that Matt Mickey showcases sometimes on his Instagram feed. And it's like, I forgot, the I think his name's Frank. Yeah, it's and Frank. Frank is like uh, mid seventies, mm -hmm. almost eighty, and he's like jumping stairs and stuff. And I'm like, that that is me. That is me when I'm his age, because I'm I'm gonna do that stuff. I'm gonna, you know, keep skating as long as I possibly can. You know, I remember in the early days of skating in the nineties, you know, when it was starting to become popular, seeing especially in Europe and on vert ramps, a lot of guys in their 50s you know getting into it because it was like okay. they were already kind of athletic guys and it's yeah. a new sport so you had to like you had either really little tiny kids or you had some 
guys that were way older skating totally. back then. So that was always inspirational to me back then already, you know, 30 years ago. Totally. I, I get inspiration now from there's a, a, a Facebook group that I'm a part of called rollerblading, rollerblading. And it's like, I always see these posts from, from people around the world where they're like, Hey, I'm 46 and I just got my first pair of skates and here's me at a skate park. And I, and I love that. I think that's so cool. You know, do you think eight-year-old Connor O'Brien would have anticipated the 37-year-old Connor O'Brien would still be skating? I, I think so, actually. You know, I, I never really, like once I started, I never intended to stop ever. Um, and I don't, the, the real question is, do I think eight-year-old Connor O'Brien would think that the 37-year-old Connor is still cool? And I, that one's a little debatable, but um, I'm glad I'm still doing it. No, no, that's awesome. It's great yeah. to see you still skating and being part of a city that has such a good, vibrant culture. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky in that capacity, for sure. So yeah, anyway, it was really, really good catching up with you. It's been way too long. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's really nice chatting with you since yeah. I haven't seen you in over a decade. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad you yeah. agreed to come on the show. And I'm actually gonna also interview gonzo pretty soon i saw so. that i saw that i'm like oh he would be a great guy to interview for sure so i always love gonzo and doing trash with you two i thought that was a really fun project for sure so, yeah. anyway i'll let you get on with your day-to-day -day activities i know you're busy you have some jobs coming up and yeah. probably have to pick up your kid from daycare soon soon yeah thank you for joining me and right. i look forward to you seeing you soon hopefully at blading cup maybe uh maybe winter clash Maybe, maybe winter clash. Maybe we sure. can make a winter clash date. Next time they yeah. set a date, we can be like, let's go out there for a couple of days and, uh, yeah, man. you know, have some European food and go to skate park. Let's do it. All right. Hey, right, buddy. I'll talk Bye. to you. Bye. Thank you for watching episode 18 of the Then Now Blading podcast with Connor O'Brien. This is going to be one of the last interviews in this format style, which is where I pre-recorded interviews and I edit them together. They take a lot of time, so I'm going to be going to a live interview format moving into the future. The next two interviews, which will be the last of this format, is with Luke Bender and Jeremy Baytal. Jeremy Baytal's interview will be broken in three parts, and that will be episode 20. Start with 21, all the podcast episodes will be live. I'm also doing some different live shows on this channel now as well. I'm doing my going live, which is where I do a Q&A. I discuss some new videos and projects that people have been working on. I show you some exclusive footage from my collection, and we discuss things happening in the industry. And it's a pretty fun time, so make sure and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already, and hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads so you can be notified any time I go live. And if you enjoyed this episode with Connor O'Brien, make sure and hit the like button. I have links to my social media in the description below so you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you do like this channel and you want to support it, I have a link to my Patreon page as well as a donation page in the description below as well. And Patreon supporters will receive exclusive content not available on this channel and also be entered into monthly giveaways from things from my merch page or sometimes things from my personal collection. So that's pretty exciting. Thank you so much for watching this episode of the Then Now Blading Podcast. I'll see you soon at episode 19 with Luke Bender.